Welcome to the Rush Valley Podcast, where we talk about all things outdoors and hopefully some badass stories. What's up, guys? Back with episode 21. We got Tristan Mueller and Jake Sigler here. New time, new guests. What's up? Not Introduce yourself. I'm Jacob Sigler. I'm 24 years old. Been pretty good friends with these guys for a long time. Finally getting on the podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. I'm a um, busy guy. Right? Yeah, you kind of... Well, you you didn't move to uh, Ellsworth until you were how old? Uh, I think it was sixth grade, so probably 12 or 13 maybe. Right. Yep. We kind of met you through <laughs> wrestling again. Um, and then you, you, we kind of start, you know, as you get older, you guys start doing stuff together and we get our license and we start doing shit together. But, um, yeah. I know you, you kind of got a cool little background of how you got into hunting and stuff, so why don't you go into a little bit of how you got into it? Oh, um, I guess I get really started hunting uh, through my grandpa and my dad. We'd go duck hunting. I'd bring the BB gun and stuff, which I'm not sure if that's legal, but... Um, <laughs> I think everyone kind of does that as a kid. <laughs> uh, my dad would have me aim at decoys and stuff and take a shot at it. and I just had a good time always, always out there with my grandpa and my dad. Um, yeah. That's pretty much how I started. I didn't really get into deer hunting until I came uh, over to Wisconsin, really, just because uh, my stepdad, uh, he kind of got me into it. He had land and stuff. I never really had land before, so we just always bummed it on public land, river, and that was duck hunting. Right, yeah. I mean, we had, obviously, different, you know, upbringings. Everyone's got a different... So, you, I mean, me and you are a little bit more similar, like... I didn't do any, really any hunting. I didn't have an upbringing of hunting, but, you know, once you get into it, it's kind of a whole different ball game. It's, it's a different, obviously, it's a different style of hunting. You know, you're, you're not getting as much action as you would when you're, let's say, turkey and duck hunting. It's just like, it's a lot of work into one thing, but the reward for a whitetail, I feel like, is just so much, it's you know. Top. Right. Yeah, it's pretty it, unmatched. Right. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, I guess we can. We kind of was talking about some turkey hunting before this and stuff. You can get into get into some of your turkey hunting and stuff. I know you had a pretty pretty crazy year. Every year you kind of get pretty crazy getting into it. You yeah. you go from Minnesota to Wisconsin, back to Minnesota, back to Wisconsin, like five times. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How I mean, how many birds did you end up even shooting? Oh, uh, well, actually, this year um, and last year we started out in Nebraska bow hunting. Right. Um, I think we ended up getting three or four. I just filmed. In uh, Nebraska, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I didn't end up getting one down right. there. Um, but that was a really good time. It's always fun. Um, go down with Buddy Chance, and he uh, we, we usually sleep down in a in a, in a trailer. <laughs> Homo <laughs> style. It's trailer. Right. So. No, that's pretty sweet, though. And it's usually pretty cold to start the trip, and then towards the end it gets warmer. But, yeah, we had fun down there, shot some, came back, took a youth hunter out. Um, he got his first bird, which was really nice. Uh, that was a landowner that... Uh, has been letting me hunt his property for a few years now. It's really good, so it was nice to kind of give back. Um, it's actually his grandfather's land, so uh, we we got him a bird. That was pretty sweet. Then, obviously, we were getting into the bash, uh, mm-hmm. entered that, and was trying to win the thing. Uh, my buddy Darts, he's my partner, he ended up shooting a Minnesota bird. Pretty pitiful bird, to be honest with you. <laughs> you only got seven to choose from. Right. Yeah, I think it weighed like 16 pounds or something like that. <laughs> Uh, that's usually my speed. I usually shoot the small birds, but um, 
then uh, the girl I talked to, my girlfriend, uh, Martina, she ended up getting her first bird. That was pretty cool. Um, um, had a buddy, Cole Pank, he shot one. He had to walk 900 yards in crutches, filmed all of them. Right. <laughs> yeah, you got some pretty sweet film this year. That's... Yeah. Was that more your focus of getting film? Were you more so, obviously, like, you want to get your own bird, but sometimes it's just as fun to get a bird on film than to almost shoe on yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think every season I had this year, I kind of just, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, every season I had this year, I uh, basically asked my friends, like, if they had a tag first, because I'd rather sit and won't film. Yeah. And uh, I usually would get their bird, and with how it work, works for me, so I don't start till 11, I right. knew that I could go by myself and self-film, like, during the week and stuff, so. Right. It kind of worked out nice. Yeah, I feel like, not to be mean because i trust me i'm not a good filmer whatsoever but your film this year has gotten so you know it's just you got a new camera kind of and you know you tried some new things put out a gopro at the decoy you know people do that you were trying other things and you know you got a lot of opportunities with birds it was pretty you got some pretty sweet some pretty sweet footage on that's for sure yeah um definitely elevated my uh filming i believe i think that's due to when I was editing my stuff, I was realizing, like, hey, I should have this in there. And I didn't have that last time. Right. So then the next time you go and every time you edit, you're like, man, I should have a little bit of this in there. I should have a little bit of that. You just get better at, like, realizing in the moment, like, hey, I should have the camera on. Right, right. <laughs> I think that that's actually a good point. You know, like, you don't realize, like, you're like, shit, I can't even make a video out of this yet because I don't even have enough footage. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. You just start filming a little here, a little there, and then you go and edit it after you shoot the trick, and you're like, it takes well, that's, a lot more right. than people think it does. Right, yeah, and you're like, well, that's going to be five minutes. That's <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, and then, and then you finally ended up shooting one yourself, which is a pretty sweet bird, too. Yeah, I'm trying to think of my first bird. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, my first bird was a good buddy of mine, John Bizey. He actually let me on his land. I was struggling. Um, so I was going to all my good spots, getting my buddy's birds, and then I would k kind of burn myself a little bit. Cause right. I, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I probably can't hunt the same area. <laughs> right. Um, so then I was looking for new ones. Well, I think it was towards the end of the season. He's like, yeah, come out. Like, you know, I've had, I think I saw 11 toms the first morning. And I was like, well, I should, I'm probably going to get one. Right. <clears throat> So I ended up actually taking the girl out, and uh, we sat together. Um, this is probably the most memorable hunt of the year for sure. I've never passed turkeys before, but I knew my partner had only shot a 16-pound bird. <laughs> so I was thinking to myself, probably can't kill the first Jake that walks in. Um, I was sitting there filming, um, and this one actually kind of makes me mad because uh, I didn't have my mic on the entire day, so I have no audio except for the GoPro. Um, <laughs> which was running the whole time, so I could probably peel audio off there, but it's all right. going to sound the same. Um, but I had a bird gobbling up in the tree behind us like 50 yards. And I was like, man, where's this bird? And I <laughs> thought he was a lot farther than he was, and I look up, and I can see him. He got down. We had three come past. Um, then there was another two that came by, and they're all behind the blind. I tried to, I wanted to get like good footage with the GoPro, which right. was in front of us and had the decoys. I was like, I'm going to wait for one to come to the decoys. There's birds gobbling everywhere. John did not lie. There was a <laughs> lot of freaking birds out there. And uh, <clears throat> ended up 
two of the birds uh, ended up making their way into the decoys, attacked the decoy. It was all on film. Got it on like two different cameras. So it was pretty sweet. Yeah. I had the girl film and she did really good, other than the fact that no audio was on it. So. <laughs> right, right. No, it's, I mean, you had a. How many turkeys do you think you got all year for everyone? Um, 10, 15? Probably close to. Probably close to eighteen to twenty, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Every time I was like, "Oh, Jake's out." Yeah, Jake got another one. Because what? What do you do for work again? Uh, so I do taxidermy now. Yeah, yeah. What kind of got you into that? Um, I mean, bringing mounts to him. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, man, I, I'm looking for help or whatever." And I was just talking to him basically, and he's like, "Man, whatever." And then I was kind of thinking about it, and I'm like. Well, do you need help? Right, right. <laughs> and he's like, well, sure. And I have kind of an artistic background. Right. Like, I went to school always, for art. You've huh? always been artistic. Yeah. Um, what, Like, I guess, did you take a, did you like go to a school, take a class, or was it kind of self-taught along with watching him and stuff? Um, no, he uh, actually said that there, which there might be schools around the country, but nothing close. They've all kind of closed down. It's kind of a dying thing. Like, right. taxidermy is not really a thing anymore. Right. Um, For sure. Yeah. And uh, the pricing of taxidermies went up. Supply and demand, obviously. Like, there's not a lot of taxidermists around, so. Right. No, that's. We can't do 400 deer heads a year. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do 200 even is a lot. Right. Doing other animals and stuff. Right. And you got to charge more, so that way some people don't actually come through the door. How how long ago did you start? Uh, six months ago, actually. Okay. So you're, I mean, he was a one-man show before that, right? Uh, he has another uh, gal working for him for okay. time. Yep. Okay. So have you, you know, do you work your way up, like start with turkeys or, I mean, birds are harder than deer? I mean, t- uh, actually, you tell me, I don't. So we just focus on uh, mammals and like, the yeah. big, well, like. Deer, elk, moose, bear, stuff like that. Bear, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we we send all of our birds, and we just quit doing fish, but we were sending those off. Would you want to do fish? I feel like that's more of an artistic kind of a job. I feel like it'd be fun to paint fish. Yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of fish yet because yeah. I haven't really got into that. And he's not going to teach me because he doesn't right. do it anymore. Right. But if I, I don't know. I think it would be very fun. Yeah, I think I like you would paint. be good at that. Yeah. Like, I paint all of his deer for him now. Okay. And, uh, I do a lot of the sewing and stuff. Um, I pretty much do just about everything except the clay work, which yep. is pretty finicky. Right. So. Yeah, you should you should learn how to self-teach yourself how to do fish or find someone who knows how to do it. And, right. I mean, you could do that on the side almost and do a little bit of your own, you know. For sure. What's the What's the goal with, you know working there uh long term are you is that something you'd want to do or do you i i'm kind of leaning towards it now a little bit i was a little bit skeptical mm-hmm. it's a lot of freaking work yeah <laughs> and there's a lot more that goes well into it's it tedious and um plus you need quite a bit of money to kind of start out so you you want to be very committed if you're going to do it otherwise if you aren't you're going to lose a lot of money like right <laughs> i'm gonna, it's going to be a few years to kind of regain all the stuff you have to put in with all the supplies and Right. Paying for the tanning and all that. Yeah. So he doesn't have his own tanner or anything like that? No. Um, a lot of guys that do their own tanning, not trying to bash anybody, but the mounts usually just, you can't be super consistent is mm-hmm. kind of what I'm get, getting from him. Right. And 
it's a lower quality. Yeah. A lot of times. So mounts will end up getting damaged and so he sends all of his out, they all come back perfect and you don't have to worry about it. Which I haven't really got into the ins and outs with him. I've only worked there for six months, so right. maybe I'm I just in my opinion, what he spends on some of the stuff, I'm like, Well Jesus, how are we making right. money here? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I think I think people who just like who don't or you know, when they hear that someone sends them off, and I'm, I had no idea, like, I'm, I have nothing. But it's like, well, am I getting my deer back? Am I, you know what I mean? Is that, is that like a worry ever? Um, no, we use uh, these, they're little yellow tags. I mm-hmm. think they could probably be any color, but they have your number on it. It matches the sheet. We do everything paper. He's yep. old school. He's 80. Right, so. right. I think a lot of them probably do. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's just easier for them to track, you know what I mean? It's right there in front of them when they yeah. binder them. And- so we punch a hole in the bottom, a uh, piece that'll be cut off anyways, mm-hmm. and that stays with the deer the whole time. We put it in a bag that's labeled with your stuff, um, and it comes back just like that, in the bag. Right. Labeled. Okay. Yep. Um, and all the numbers match. It's like four different things that have to match. And yeah. So, so when we shoot deer, you can mount our deer now or what? <laughs> yeah, I could probably do. That. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you, you can? You could you do one now from start to finish on, you know, like clay stuff, or have you not learned much about the clay? Um, I'm actually just getting into that. Yeah, um, that seems like it's a yeah. freaking tedious little. Like yeah. I'd get all around off. the eyes and stuff is yeah. basically what you're doing. Nose too. No. No. No, the nose is just uh, pretty much the form. You just carve it out a little bit yep. so you can get the nose tucked in. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no, the clay works really around the eyes. you got to build up, yep. make it look natural. and Right. I feel yeah. like I'd be all right at right. it. Right. Yeah, I mean, you see enough see enough wildlife and we're, stuff. We're behind a little bit, so he's more or less not teaching me at the moment. We're just trying to get stuff done before season. we got two months left. I think we got about 90 deer to do. Right. And then... I mean elk and everything else. Right. Have you done some elk yet? Oh, uh, we've done one elk. I think we have like eight or nine more to do. Which he was turning people down. Even really? though he took in a freaking caribou today. He's like, Man, I'm not taking it and then the guys <laughs> we talked him in there. Yeah. I, I that would be tough. Especially if you're good friends with some of the people who walk in there all the time. You're like Or have always been doing their stuff. Right. You know, right. You do their Repeat stuff customer. I mean, he's been in business forever. Yeah, he's been. He's in, been doing some guy's stuff for 25, 30, 40 years, you know. Right. And they're like, you're not going to do my caribou. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's right. probably hard. Yeah, he's got a lot of close friends, as you'd say, through that. Yeah. He's been doing it for 60 years. So, yeah. right. It, like, if you don't get a deer, how often do a lot of guys shoot big bucks? Right. You know, like, maybe every four years. Or, yeah. Yeah, if you're good, really good, or like you're really lucky, yeah. chewing every year, but right, I see my taxidermist a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, well, not all of us. Yeah, no, I bet you've seen some slobs too come through there. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest year we get in there are from game farms and stuff. But oh, he does do. We some. do have. Uh, I I don't think we had anything over 200 this year, but there's definitely some 180s and mm-hmm. pushing 190s for sure. Right, right. I I mean. It's kind of cool. You get to work with wildlife every day and stuff. I bet you get excited about. You're just like, oh, how am I going to grow this? You know, like you know, you do you do all this stuff on the off season, then you start seeing deer coming in. You're like, I can't wait for fall. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Why well, I, I look at big bucks all day, and now I look at my trail cam pictures, and I'm like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> that ain't what that ain't what we have hanging. <laughs> right, right. Um, I guess that kind of leads us in what. What have you done kind of after, once once turkey season gets over, what do you start to 
kind of do to prepare yourself because ever i feel like every hunter or serious whitetail hunter that bow hunts starts up right after turkey season what's the first thing i guess you kind of lead into uh first thing i do usually in the springtime uh usually we order trees uh this year we didn't order any um so i i i buy apple trees every year Mm -hmm. i usually plant two to four every year yep and i got a little orchard going probably i don't know i probably got 20 25 trees yep a couple years i bought like seven or eight so right so you stick to apple trees uh no i don't stick to them i obviously i've you guys know this but uh, i have property in minnesota wisconsin that i can hunt yeah um so this year actually we just did a food plot for the first time in one of my minnesota spots um three and a half acres okay i think it's like three acres right now i'm mm-hmm. gonna put in some late late season stuff yep. another half acre but uh that's the biggest food plot i've ever been a part of it's yeah. kind of an undertaking i hired a guy to come till it and then i planted it myself and now i gotta go spray it it's right getting run right with weeds right now <laughs> yeah a little life. Stuff right it. yeah that's what happens when you get rain um what other trees do you do you plant oh i've planted well for apple trees i mean any kind of variety of apple tree you can think of a couple pear trees um i did a persimmon i did four persimmon trees which i don't really think are common around here but i thought it'd be kind of unique and the deer might like them yeah. i know they like them down south yep um but i only got one to survive mm-hmm. so i'm kind of worried that it's never gonna Fully pollinate mature, yeah. i think they need more they than need one two i think yeah. i think they have to pollinate off each other do you do like chestnuts or oh, yeah. so chestnuts um obviously like i think we planted like black oak which i don't know why the hell we did that but white oak like uh red oak yeah those um planted a couple like willow trees for my mom mm-hmm. <laughs> she likes seeing them mm-hmm. and then a lot of pine trees um we kind of have our pine trees all spread out different it's like almost fence rows we're just like making fence rows not right. fence rows but like rows of pines in the woods mm-hmm. it's not just one standing timber of pines so do you go through and and take down some trees and get some sunlight into the woods yeah. when you're doing that we take down a lot of box elders uh those take up quite a bit of space in our woods just they're very prevalent right they're like um, invasive just about yeah they're not really good for anything deer wise i yep. mean i don't spray my trees though so i'll just cut them the only thing i spray is buckthorn and yep. um uh, honeysuckle and stuff like that yeah right but yeah. i just leave it and then i just let it grow up thick and then I'll trim them back and stuff if it's kind of competing with the growth of the trees. Yep. But other than that, we kind of just let her go. I've definitely lost more trees than I've gained. Right. Planting. I mean, well, I we, like we ordered quite a few. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what the what they call germination rate of them is like. A little over fifty percent. You know, like they're not. It's pretty. It's it can be hard to get a tree to grow. But how come? I'm just curious, and maybe you don't even have a reason. But why do you take out your buckthorn? Um, well, it's invasive for one, right. and two, um, it sends down a some type of chemical or toxin yep. in the ground with, through its roots yep. that won't allow anything else to grow. Plus, it shades out just about everything. If you go into a real like, um, you go into like a city park, yep. that doesn't really get maintained. It's like they just mow the trails, right? And you go like into the hard heart of that timber. 
the only thing that won't have anything growing under it is pretty much buckthorn, buckthorn. and it's it's pretty thick. Like you probably won't even be able to walk through right. it. Right. And then the the ground will literally be black. Bare. Right. And you're like, where's the grass? You did some tree work too, right? Yeah. Did you learn a lot when you were doing that? Yeah. Yeah. So I work for natural resource restoration. Uh, it's kind of long winded. Right. <laughs> but we'd travel all over to like uh, the state and state forests and stuff. Cutting um, down invasives or what were you? Yeah. Our main thing was actually cutting buckthorn. So we just hack and squirt that, um, clear it all out, and then. Uh, Do you spray sack it with Tordon? No, it was uh, Garlon. Yep, Garlon. Garlon 4? No, just regular just Garlon. Garlon. Yeah. Garlon 4 is pretty uh, pretty intense stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were we were in the business of trying to save prairies, save yep. the natural, like uh, oak forest stands yep. and stuff. So Garlon won't affect grass. Okay, yeah. Garlon yeah. 4 will kill just yep. about anything. Yep. Yeah, it's a brushy, yeah, it kills everything. So did you guys ever do any, like, mulching stuff with, like, skid loaders and, like, big brush mulching heads or just cut, hand-cut everything? Yeah, we hand-cut everything. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I loved working the summers. It was awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, though, that you probably learned quite a bit about, you know, how a woods grows just walking through it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <clears throat> you see, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, deer... Yeah, they probably like buckthorn. They maybe travel through them. You can see a trail once in a while. But if you're able to get your hardwoods to grow up and, you know, the tops get up high and you can reach the sunlight and you still do have a little bit openness in the forest and, you know, the undergrowth grows, you feel like your woods is thicker in a hole rather than in certain areas where the buckthorn has been invasive. You know what I mean? Yeah, I will tell you deer do love buckthorn. Right. Like anywhere a deer can reach, it'll eat buckthorn. If you cut buckthorn down, spray it, you're still gonna have buckthorn regrow. Right. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> it, you will definitely have buckthorn. So if you go in and, and squirt it and spray, it, honestly, if I had a new property that I was hunting and there was a lot of buckthorn, I would go and cut a huge area of it down a week before season. It's the last thing to stay green. Yep. You can identify it pretty easy. Right. It's got those little. Uh, green circle leaves yep you cut that down when i was cutting in those city parks granted the deer are used to you right i'd be cutting buckthorn down i'd get 50 yards and i'd have deer standing behind me eating off them really yeah because they could finally reach them okay <laughs> Once I cut yeah them they down, probably browse the on the lower yeah right. lower parts of them i wonder i wonder if a deer would rather browse on you know just like your natural undergrowth if in a woods that's like maple oak you right know, you don't have your buckthorn i wonder like if if they had the option to browse the west side of buckthorn or browse the natural, um, you know, weeds and undergrowth that come up with the woods. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you see a woods that gets cleared, I mean, we talk about it once in a while when we drive by one, it's like, holy shit, that's bare. Like that's going to be tough to hunt. But in, you know, realistically in two, three, four years, that's the best woods in the area. You know what I mean? That undergrowth just comes up so thick it's like it can be tough to hunt but if you have an area that you didn't clear you know you say you'd clear the east side of your woods and then the west side was big timber you know maybe some openness in there it's like you've created your own bedding in the one part and your open oaks and whatever you want in the other part right i mean it's just so much so much smarter or i guess you can you can funnel deer into an area just about by doing that i feel like i mean it's the same way out west too like um I was talking to a local last year on my elk hunt, and he was he told me like, 
you know, like, yeah, right now, you know, um, the unit that I was in burned in 2020. So it was two years after. And he basically was like, yeah, I mean, it's tough hunting right now. There's just, there's no undergrowth. There's no browsing for him other than like a few select grassy, you know, swales and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he said his favorite stuff to hunt is like five years after a burn goes through. Right. Because he's like, everything's green and there's elk everywhere. Yeah. And he's like, you know, they're not like pinned down in these certain areas where if you, you mess up, they yeah. run for a freaking two mountains. Right. You know, where, you know, they like they're spread out browsing here and there. You actually have like that opportunity glassing, you know, it's a, he said it's just a lot better hunting. It's his favorite. And right. I mean, this guy's six years old and uh he's got quite the collection right you know, hunting out there for forever his whole life yeah i guess you probably have noticed then like you know maybe not just doing that job but or you've seen trails and stuff like if you don't have an opportunity to do a food plot you know let's say mm-hmm. and you just maybe have a big chunk of woods i think that's a kind of a smart thing like just you know if you think about it if you were able to let's say you got an 80 and you cleared 30 of it it's like you almost create a little bit more for them to be on your, you know, if you just have a big set of timber and it's, you know, you know, when you walk into a woods and it's just like, you can see through the the end of it because it's so, the tops are so tall, you know, those trees that are trying to grow underneath, they can only grow so tall and then they just, they just die because the other trees have all grown them. They reach up to the sunlight. The big top trees grow so tall because they just, they push up to the top to get the sunlight. And it's like, if you were to just go through there and clear, you know every other tree let's say if they're planted in a row or something you know obviously not but if you're able to clear a good amount of trees to get sunlight on that forest floor i think that's could be just as crucial of having a food plot in there because they have vegetation in there i mean they're big browse eaters too you know i would say the most like if you can't have a food plot what i would recommend that you do would be to go in and cut certain trees down but I would not spray anything. Mm-hmm. If you can get a tree to grow back the nutrients on that new growth. I mean, granted, I haven't had great success with it with, uh, I can't even think of the tree now. We were just talking about it. It's in the maple family. Huh. Box elder. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't had great success with box elder. They grow back too fast before the deer right. can keep nipping at them. Yep. But if you could get like a, uh, like a, some, any type of maple kind of, yep. and, and it, Little like saplings. The, like the size of a, of a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. Like if that's all the bigger the trunk was, you could cut that down. The the regrowth from that. You ever walk through woods and you've seen like a stump that was cut and it yep. almost looks yep. like a perfect bush. Yep. bush, yep. yep. Yeah, that's from like the deer eating yeah. it and stuff. Right. So, the, I mean, I would do a little bit of that. Then you get your new growth coming down too. Mm-hmm. But burns are really good, like acorns and stuff. And we planted... Uh, I think it was three acres of acorns and black walnuts, and we waited like two two years or something like that. Nothing grew, and then we went and it was just a grass field. We burnt it, and the next year all the trees were like a foot and a half tall. Really? So I think certain oaks need that heat, and fire is actually natural, right? Very natural to all areas of the United States, right? Especially right. In the Midwest. Certain, I don't pine trees or whatever you'd want to conifers um they need to be burned down or whatever to reproduce other you know out west i mean yeah some fires are bad when they destroy thousands of acres but some of them are yeah they need to be they need to be burned in order for them to to repopulate and it makes sense too because when you burn all that fires are good 
in, you know, when you burn your grasses and stuff in the springtime, just think how much faster that grass comes up, all the nutrients that comes from that, that undergrowth and all that, you know, dead stuff. It just yeah, grows so much faster. Yeah, and just lack of competition almost, too. Right. And the seeds fall off. I mean, it's, yeah, there's so much stuff that goes into it. And then, uh, so at your property in Wisconsin, have you put in some food plots this year? Or have you always had food plots? Oh, uh, we used to have a lot more. We had two acres, I think it was. And then we actually turned that into switchgrass and Indian grass. Okay. Um, are you on or off? No, you're good. Oh, okay. So, oh, I just lost my train of thought. No, you put it in switchgrass. Switch okay, yeah, I put in the, I put in the switchgrass, uh, or my stepdad did. Yep. And I was kind of mad at him because we had standing beans, and we were seeing a lot of success late season. Right. We have all the bucks on our property. Right. And I had a lot of deer pattern, actually, during that time. But this was back when we were in high school still. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't hunt because we were, right. we were wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I was either in football or wrestling the entire right. time. and um, So my nights were kind of screwed with practice and stuff. But, like, my evening hunts would have been phenomenal there. Right. And as soon as I get out of high school, of course, we put in the warm season grass. It right. takes three years to mature. Right. And I'm seeing it the first two years where it's only two feet tall. I'm like, why the, did we plant this? Right. <laughs> right. But now it's uh, it's six eight feet tall really we burn it every spring well yep. not every spring we didn't burn it this year but we'll burn it again every other year yeah um so now it's kind of just down to like about an acre um and that's that's standing beans yeah honestly with the amount of deer that i have in that area that know about it now it gets wiped out before the first snowfall right yeah that's what tough i mean you'd need a good solid probably two two and a half acres of actual you know grains of you know corn beans whatever it is to be able to withstand the browse pressure or the pressure of them eating and especially beans it's just so easy it's just like them going to browse on trees it's just like one after another you know what i mean yeah whereas yeah i think i think too the stages of beans you know they hit it so hard at the end of the summer right when it comes up and late season it's like what they want so it's hard for them to fully mature into, right. you know, pods and stuff. So it's. I, I mean, I would love to know like the, the amount of acreage you should have, you know, or maybe you got to fence it off. Like, if you had an acre of beans and you you were like, I'm fencing this off and I'm you know keeping it until at least it turns yellow because then you know deer aren't really going to touch it. Right. Um, you know, then then acres probably enough. But I think if you plant just an acre, you know, a week ago. Right. You're screwed. Right. If you don't fence it off. Yeah, I think it all comes down to deer numbers. Right. True. If you have a lot of deer, and I think a lot of acreage. I think in your area, that's a tough hmm. tough thing to have is only one acre. Yeah, it's tough, definitely, because I think the main thing is they know about it. So right. now deer are coming from farther away, and there's more of them. Right. And then they eat it, and they're like, oh. Do you do gone. beans every single year? Um, No, we've switched it up, but my favorite thing... Is is probably beans to right. for sure as a food plot altogether. Beans would be my number one. Right. Have you a ever, lot of guys say that it just brings a lot of does in after a while. Like if you keep if you keep just pounding beans and beans, right. Then like does will start just living on your property. Which I like does on my property. A right. lot of people are always right. like shoot does, shoot does. I don't shoot does. Yeah. <laughs> we can yeah. get into that later. Right. I I there's a there's a new mix coming out from Rackfield that. Next year you should you should 
plan it. I think it'd be pretty sweet for your property. It has some potential to stay later as far as greens other than just beans. Um, and so I think it would be huge if you had something, even, even this year, like if you were like, you know what, like I'm just going to try something. Beans probably aren't going to last till December. Maybe you're going in, you know, broadcast some brassicas and you know maybe a little winter rye so that the next thing that comes up next fall is your winter rye and it's green right away in the spring you don't have to worry as much about um you know weed competition you'll have that green up turkeys whatever you know the the does will probably come in there and feed in it in the springtime and then spray it off come let's say june or april late april and then you can plant your whenever you plant you know your beans into it spray it off and you don't have to really worry about much and then you have that old growth in there that's you know whatever um but then you know you do have some some greenage come into late and and that sometimes takes and maybe i'm wrong but sometimes i feel like that takes the pressure off the beans sometimes at a certain stage when those brassicas are, you know, ready to be eaten and they're, you know, ripe, whatever, um, they'll go into that. They'll start digging into to the um, the snow or whatever, you know. Because if you get a, if you get a, you, I mean, you probably see it. If you get a snowfall in November, it's just like switch, and then they all start coming to beans, or they all go to oh, corn. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like if you had a little something, if they know that something's in there, you don't have to do it super thick or heavy. But if there was another option in there maybe it would take some browse pressure off so do you do you think that um so like what you just mentioned about dolls and beans i a part of me thinks that does come to the beans early because it's so easy for fawns right like a doe and a fawn can just go into a bean field and it's endless all summer long they can sit and eat and you know like that's great like that's awesome for for them the downfall would be you plant an acre of beans and you're like, Hey, you know, this is going to be awesome. Good late season source. And you have your does and your fawns eating it down before you can hunt it in late season. Yeah. That's where I could see, you know, the doe fawn issue becoming a thing. Other than that, it's great to have does and fawns on your property, healthy eating food, you know, like that part's great, but I just, you know, yeah. And that's kind of my thing with not shooting them. Right. Because if I have, if I'm the only guy within a mile and a half that has any food source and it's beans, and I'm like, man, there's 60 does out here. I right. need to start shooting does. Those does are coming from farther away than you'd think. They're not actually living on your – so you don't actually have that many deer. You're shooting the neighbor's deer right. at this point. Right, So that's kind of my little snippet right. of that when people are like, man, I have so many deer on my property. No, you just – you have a good property that's bringing all the deer there. Right, right. And, and like, I don't, I shoot does off of certain properties. I, so behind my house, you know, we all know we, I only own eight acres. It's not a lot of land. So I specifically don't shoot the does that stay there because there's only like one or two every year. But that's my, that's my doe. Because yeah. when she comes into heat, she's going to come into my little piece because it's thick. It's, it's out of the way. They feel safe. And, and I use that doe to kill my buck. Like, seriously that's that's like my thing Mm -hmm. but i have properties like um a a place that i hunt just a mile south of here there's so many does there that i'll be sitting in a plot and it's like you know 10 does in there but there's no bucks 
you know, it's like, uh, if that was half the bucks, would there, or half the dough in that pot, would there be a couple bucks in there? Or are they just annoyed with the deer pressure? You know, sometimes when a buck's, when a buck's not ready to breed or looking to breed, I don't think they necessarily want to be around does that much. Right. You know, they kind of like their own, their own social space. pressure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 When they see a lot of deer in a certain area, it's like, uh-huh. Right. The way I've always think. looked at it is like Thanksgiving dinner. Right. When you're at home with your family. Right. Who's sitting on the couch by himself? Right. <laughs> Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Everybody else is in the kitchen eating. Right. Yeah, yeah they want their piece and quiet. Yeah. They're just sitting there watching TV. No, and that makes sense, too. Um, I think early season, if you got 60 does in your plot, you'd be like, holy shit. Like, yeah, we got a problem here. Right. But late season... That's that's pretty normal to have, like you said. If you if you're one of the properties that deer are wintering on, you're not seeing those properties. Like now, you're not having that many deer in your plot. Oh no! So, like you say, that makes sense because it's like, yeah, deer are coming from. Realistically, they're probably coming from mile and a half, two miles away. You know what I mean? They just know they know where the food's at, and makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's. It'd be pretty easy for you to kill a doe on any given day, probably, in, yeah. if there's snow on the ground. There anyway. is a property in Minnesota that I do shoot does on, yeah. um, and that's I I don't really care, I guess, but it's it's uh, it has a lot of deer, yeah, a ton of deer. This definitely has the most deer out of any of my properties. But the landowner that gives us permission, she requires us to shoot them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some people do. So I'm like, there's a okay. lot of that. Well, yeah. I, I've talked to some growers that I work with, and they're like, I'll kick someone off if they don't shoot does. Like, permission people, they're like, yeah. he's like, I, and seriously, like, the outside rounds of their fields, he gets one to five bushel of beans because the deer have browsed them. Instead of, what, 60? Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Oh, that's, um, yeah. that's horrible. Right. That's I don't horrible. really know so, much about farming. Right. Right. But. right. So, like, he would be like... Substantial. Right. He would be like, I I require some people, or they'll say, like, I wish they would shoot more, like, because they're definitely, you know, you think about it, all summer, they're browsing on those beans. It's tough for those beans to grow, and it's like... I, I guess I get that, you know. You'll even you'll even randomly, you know, ask the right person that's sick of them being in their garden. Right. You know, yeah, that's like, this will way. you come shoot my deer? Right. It's yeah. like, yeah, I will, <laughs> right. you know, but right. I'm a buck hunter. But, right. but, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, help the homeowner out. For sure. I have For a sure. couple of those properties that I'm supposed to shoot does on. I don't. I don't like I should. But yeah, usually I just tell her I've either missed or didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> I think she knows it's a lie because my tree's standing far from. Her. <laughs> she sees she probably see in front of me across the field. Right? She's like, I see your vehicle out there. What happened tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I could. I counted twenty deer in the field tonight. Where were you? Said yeah. It's not on the field. Not where the deer were. Right. <laughs> I hadn't seen huh. anything. <laughs> um, even like these last few years, has your like hunting style changed more? Um, from like the work that you've been doing to your woods and stuff. Yes, I think my hunting has changed more so because of me maturing. Right, um, hunting two different states now, and trail cameras. Right, especially cell cams. Right, I think they're actually hurting me a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sitting there and I'm like, well, I ain't gonna go hunt. I haven't had a big buck on camera. Right, and then the day that I'm supposed to be out there. It's 10 yards from my stand. We've talked about that, yeah. too. He'll be like, I haven't had a deer on camera. I'm like, I, I get that. But now when you do get that deer on camera, 
and it was probably the right weather and you just said i haven't had a deer on camera for a while but it's like weather's right tonight's the night i should probably be out there but it's like it's hard to make yourself go out there when you don't want to get into that woods and have the potential of you know spooking something or you know messing up a hunt it's like you mess up that one chance sometimes it's yeah mine is juggling like okay mm-hmm. i got pictures in minnesota i'm gonna go hunt there right and as soon as i go hunt there 90 percent of the time you don't even see anything right and then you're getting pictures back in wisconsin you're like oh i should have hunted in wisconsin that's how it goes yeah. i mean that's that's like uh I think all of us are kind of in the same boat. We have a lot of properties, you know, a lot of different options. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of options is not good. You know, it's almost to pick, like, instead of picking the property, um, unless, you know, unless you're just like, it's the run, I got to be in the woods. But uh, otherwise, sometimes I think it might be, you know, just get that one deer. You got that one deer, you're like, I'm hunting that deer, and then hunt that property how you would off of weather. You know, that's like, that's what I'm going to try to do more this year. Um, I did the same thing last year. The day I left to head to Minnesota, had off the whole day, was going to go sit up in one of my pieces. And then uh, me and Trey were like, you know, let Trey was already out there. And I was like, all right, I'm going to drive out four hours, hunt Minnesota gun opener, which is obviously the rut in Wisconsin too. So, you know, like I knew it, like in my, my better judgment was telling me to stay and hunt Wisconsin, but I was just like, I need something new. I'm frustrated with Wisconsin. I left, I was no more than an hour from home and I got a picture of like a, a shooter eight point. Right. And it stood in front of my stand and then came back around. <laughs> he came through three times in one day. Perfect shot. You know, it's just like, if I was here, even if I hadn't left, I mean, I, I probably would have went and hunted as soon as I got the first picture of him because it's a pinch point, and he went into the big woods, yeah. and I ran in, got in stand, and been like, he, if he comes back through, he's going to pinch down next to me, and he did. Yeah. And I was in Minnesota. You know, so there's definitely a give and take with cell cams, and there's a give and take with, you know, too many properties, juggling too much stuff. Yeah, and we talked about that. I had that conversation with you a little bit earlier off the podcast, obviously, but... uh he was telling me, yeah, and just hunt that one deer. And I'm like, oh, like, why didn't I think of that? Hmm. I got four or five shooters. Right. Why don't I just pick the biggest one or the one that I think is most killable? Right. Try to get that one not out of the way. That sounds horrible, but try to just get a deer on the ground and, right. and just focus on one spot. Because mm-hmm. I've been dancing around five, six different properties before, and you're just kicking yourself like, man. Right. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> right. When you when you start getting in your head, like, wow, I haven't hunted that property in a while. I should probably get there. That's the wrong thought process. Right. You know, you got to be like, all right, this is the buck I want. This is the wind, the situation, you know. And, and we're young. We're all, you know, we're mid-20s. You know, it's not like we, we all own these big tracts of land and we're, you know, managing them exactly how we want them. We're hunting these tiny chunks. You know, to some pretty good sized chunks, chunks, but you know we're we're still learning. Right. Like every single there's not there's no way either of us, any of us, go through a week of hunting and not learn a bunch. You know, right. it's just it's impossible at this stage. If you had if you had you know those pieces to yourself and there was four or five of them, you could do exactly what you wanted to them. I guess like all the work that you wanted, it maybe be a little different of how you hunted them, but. It's it is tough. Like if you have four or five properties, and it's like 
maybe I haven't had something on camera. I know this spot usually produces um, maybe a little more. Like you, you get to a point in the season, you're like, I just want to see a deer right now. <laughs> like <laughs> it's been a tough year. I want to get out there, and then you're like, I'm gonna go to this spot, and then it's like, yeah, you saw some deer, and you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going back because I've been seeing deer, and one of these years is gonna be the right deer. And then you you know you kind of dedicate yourself a little. I guess that's kind of how I was last year. There's one of the pieces, tiny little piece, and it's like. God, I I've, I yeah. can get pictures there, like no problem. Decent deer, like definitely something I would you know put my tag on. And it's like, then I see myself wandering off after a while, like going to a different property. And it's like, it's it's tough when you yeah, have a few different properties that that you can pick and choose from. If um, so, if it was like November first, and you could hunt, you know, a pinch point, a scrape line, or a bedding area. I mean, what? what's your go-to or a food source you know like if, if you had those those options you know what are what are you more look what would you more favor uh i think i'm probably more of the pinch point kind of guy. you're a pinch point yeah you um i don't i don't know i mean you kind of know some of my pieces one of them is like a an area where they it's weird it's like they cross the road and it's like why would they come into this piece of woods but they do and they come from travel corridor right and they come from where you wouldn't think they would come from they come across the road and it's like why are you doing that and right i've always liked that spot because it it does produce like it'll be like you never know (laughs) like you never know what you're gonna see in here you could see a giant or you're gonna see a little you know spike Mm -hmm. or a little half rack whatever you know but it's like I would say I'm, God, I would say I'm pinch point, but also like, I like, I like food because yeah. <laughs> you, you'll see deer and you just never know like what's going to happen. If I had to pick one, I would, I'd go pinch point probably. Okay. And then bedding. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's what I was going to say. I, I like, like a pinch point just outside of bedding. Oh, that's perfect situation. <laughs> um, I, I, if you have that, that's awesome, and you're gonna always see right. nice deer there. Right. I I would say I'm probably the same. I am dependent. You know, I don't know. It, you know, I'm probably pinch point just because food. You're gonna see more deer. You, you most likely you're gonna have does, and you're gonna have little buck come out and push those does around, and you're gonna have that. If you have a pinch point buck that's cruising, the, having that pinch point of where your opportun- shot opportunity is increased so much almost makes it worth it just in that, you know, because it's one thing to see a shooter buck. Right. That's, everybody sees shooter bucks. Yeah. It, it happens. To get that thing in range and shoot that deer is much harder. And from my experience, the, the two ways that that's happened is pinch point, or bedding area. Right. That's where I get most of mine. I have, I don't actually believe that I have ever shot a buck in Wisconsin over a food source during the rut because of a doe or anything no. like that. It has been a pinch point or a bedding area. Edge of a bedding area. Not right. in it. Just, you know. Yeah, I think that aspect edge. of sitting on a pinch, sitting near or on a pinch point or just anywhere where deer are like, that's the trail they use. Mm-hmm is just exciting because you're like okay i'm within range of that trail right anything that i'm probably going to see today is coming down this trail so if it's something big i'm getting a shot right 
And it's not like, oh, I'm sitting over three acres of beans and the bucks all the way across them. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, frustrating. Right. What What is something, because I was kind of thinking about this too, because I, I have a few pieces and it's like, what is one thing maybe that I could improve on, on my, you know, some of my pieces? What is something that you would improve on? Doesn't have to be a big piece of land. It can be whatever. What would you add to, you know, that, that piece? Well, first thing I would do is see what water source they have. That would be the main thing for me. Yeah. Um, I actually just did a video on that. I'm pretty sure you guys watched that. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I ended up just burying like a 100-gallon tank. Yeah. And I put it close enough to the guys that I have permission from his house. I had to get like 400 foot of hose. But yeah. it's just tucked into the woods where I can actually put a stand. His property is not very big. So realistically, my stand, all I got to do is move it maybe 20 yards. And, yep. and I'm going to be able to shoot that. But I've already had quite a few deer and bucks using that. Right. Um, I think they got to get used to it. But the next closest uh, water on that whole hill is actually across the highway. So realistically, I don't want all the deer across the highway because we've had big bucks hit on the side of the road, heads cut off, everything. Like hmm. I've seen them before, velvet yeah. in the middle of the rut. I mean, that could be because they're chasing. But when I don't want deer crossing the highway. Right. <laughs> right. What about you, Tristan? Water came to my mind, you know. Um, it did just because, you know, it's, it's, it's necessary. It has to. Right. They have to have water. Um, but I'll say this. A lot of the land I hunt have a pond or a river. Right. So if I was going to go, let's let's go to that. You know, if, if I was going to brand new, I'm going to hunt one of my properties that have the water source right. already. Um. That's tough. You know, I don't know if you have control over it and you can, you know, maybe hinge cut some stuff, try try to create a little bit of a bedding where, you know, like if I was going to come into a property and I wanted to, let's say there is no bedding in this property, um, I'm probably going to try to create something, yeah. you know, like to create a little bit of a bedding. Um, you know, if I had everything you know i have food water and it's just like god it's not holding deer because they don't have a bedding spot something like that they have to you go know. further for yeah. a bedding spot they don't want to come to the food they maybe just come right. there during the day you know or you know the deer just getting there just after it gets dark because they're traveling from somewhere else you're not getting that you know that last 20 minutes of life right where really you know where your opportunity on a big buck out of rut is going to happen right um you know i would probably focus on bedding but you know, you can't just focus on any either. You know, you probably want to put that, that bedding in uh, area. Like for us, we typically have a north, northwest, west wind. Yeah. You know, so I would try to build that bedding on a north, northwest side so that, you know, I'm not upwind of these deer all the time when I come in. Yeah. You know, that's what I would try to look at. You know, if, if there was no bedding, there was water, there was food, I would try to create a bedding that was ideal for me. Like, where would I want the deer to be bed mm-hmm. for me to hunt this property? Right. You know, I, it's I, hard. Right. I, when you said that, I was kind of thinking of this question because I, I, there's a few things on certain properties where I'm like, God, what is it? Like, what do they need? You know, bedding isn't an option on here. It's, if they do, you it's can't hunt enough. it. Yeah. Um, food is not an option. It's egg fields all around it. 
And it's like water. The next nearest water is I have no clue. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. It'd be a pond, you know. Waiting on the north side of right. the section. <laughs> and it's like if I just had let's just say it was fifty gallons. Like I don't care. Yeah. Just enough I could bring in I don't care, I would bring in pails. Like I I would. And if I could do that and be able to maybe keep some in there, uh, you know, rain to be able to do that. Um, I've even thought about, like, what if I just put, like, a cage tank in there with, a you know, a hose on the bottom of it, put 200 or 265 gallons in there and open the hose when I need to, and it sits out there, and I, I don't know if I would need to fill it. I wouldn't go in there often enough to have to fill it, but I'd probably fill it three times throughout the summer and have that 265-gallon cage tank out there. Um, I think water is my, you know, I would, I would do that. I talked to a guy, well, one of my cousins talked to a guy. He said he lives on a road and his property comes obviously right to the road and then right across the road. I mean, like directly across county road, not super busy. They would go over there and they would cross at night probably or during the day and they'd go drink their water. And he had a camera on this food plot area, whatever. I don't know if he what he did on it but he had a trail he started putting water on his side of the road even though there was a river right across and he told him he said this is the most nasty water ever like i would fill it in the spring or you know late summer and then when it gets hot out the water kind of gets gross or you know whatever. whatever right and then the rain fills it up he said i had more big bucks in the crappiest water and they could have gone across the road he goes those bucks came down into my you know little pond that i created rather than crossing the road he, uh, he goes i figured i would i would assume that they did that because i never got the deer in this location as much as i do now that i have a pond in there i was like hmm Gosh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I think the thing for you too, putting a pond in, if you have the ability to, just, I mean, just a little bucket. Yeah, or whatever. It, yeah, it could be four by four. I mean, I, w- I would do it. I would try to do something a little bigger than that, just so you don't have to go down as much and fill it. Right. Once they find it, they're going to drink quite a bit. Especially on that property. I mean, you have high numbers of deer that travel through that, right. especially like this time of year, coming right. to a mineral site or you yeah. know, just traveling through. True. You, know, th- you would go through a lot of water. My only thinking was, so like earth ponds have a, have a like, what is it, three different size? What's uh, the smallest 80. one? An eighty, I think, is their smallest. Fifty yeah. and eighty, maybe. I don't know. I know they only have they three. Mega, but. Yeah, but like, I feel like in that site that I have there now, if I put in their smallest pond and I was able to fill it, like I don't know, but I feel like that freaking thing would be awesome. In I there. just feel like it'd give you good a shot opportunity, right? If you right. got a doe that's just barreling, or I mean, maybe not barreling, but they're running and they're at a good clip, then you don't have to go. Meh. You know, yep. the doe or the buck is probably going to be like, you know what, I've been running all day, I'm kind of thirsty. Right. Let's just stop here and get right. quick. And thing. they do that. Like, these, and it's kind of like your woods. It's like these areas that are less dense population of deer just outside of the big woods, this is my theory. They, like like we said, a big buck's not going to, like, at, a big buck's not going to come to the food plot with 60 deer in it, right? They're, they're going to want to stay back. Big buck from what I see in this woods, pushes their does out of the big woods and they drive them into this woods and they stage in there. There's, there's cleared, they cleared some of the woods probably five years ago, so a little while ago, and they just push all the trees up to the woods. So it's just like 
a big wall of trees mm-hmm. and then it's you know your woods but you can see through the woods there's been times where i've walked into this any time of the day it could be summertime whatever there's just a random two or three deer bedded in there because they sit with their backs to that to that wood pile and they don't have to worry about things so it's like it's not like a bedding but i think they feel safe in there they feel safe enough i should say and the bigger bucks push the does from the big hardwoods over into this little pinch point and they'll stage in there yeah. until he knows little woods are definitely good for that like right bucks don't want competition they don't have to fight another buck right to breed a doe they want right they want separation and those little those little woods are money and people overlook them there's usually not much action going on in a little woods so it's pretty safe right the average dude going across driving he's looking at a big woods going whoa i bet you there's a big boy in there. right he's not looking at the little piece across the road then. right well that's just a fence line right it's a little piece at the how end. many deer you know have you kicked out of a fence line driving by it? you know what i mean just like yeah. a big buck they, you're like why are they in there they lay they lay in places that nobody ever ever could imagine right you know there's hunting out west you really learn that you know like if you go out to you know south dakota there's hardly any trees in sight right and you and you drive around and you look and you're like oh i'm not seeing much right but you get out of the truck and you start walking yep deer get up right it's like i I didn't know there was deer there you know it's it's amazing where they hide and what they can hide in and now you bring that back to wisconsin right and you bring that back to all the wooded thicker you know fence lines and little fingers and stuff like that that comes off those deer those deer can hide way more places than people would think going back to that thing too about you know like deer don't have to compete when they push does into a uh, spot it kind of it's kind of funny because if i rattle in that woods like i don't rattle a lot or i don't call a ton i used to when i was younger but like when i would do it just being young and dumb there's been some times where it's like rattle you know and you rattle and you grunt or whatever and you sit down and then you know you're just not paying attention then it's all, all of a sudden it's just like holy shit like right there on top of you because they can come from anywhere in those woods i've had it more times yeah. than you would really think it's like in a woods like that where they're like hey what's going on over there you know like they like the the piece the hardwoods is a square like section and then mine is just a draw that goes right up into it and it's like if they're nearby that and i rattle i think they're coming more times than that like they just they're like okay something's going on in there like yeah, honestly i think i don't call much i've rattled actually i've killed a buck rattling um, before in Minnesota with a gun, yeah, because that's their rut, <laughs> and it was the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. Over it there. was snowing that day. I was just like, "Well, I haven't seen a single deer. Right. I'm gonna rattle, get bored." And then I heard first snort wheeze I've ever heard in my life. I was like, "What the heck is that?" Right. And I couldn't really pick it out. <laughs> it was a so pretty weird. far away away. And then here's this buck all bristled up, coming with his head down, looking for. Imagine like, if you had that on film. Yeah, I should have been filming. This right. is a few years ago now. It's gonna be a fun year, I think for for all of us just like filming and stuff but yeah that i think just with you when you're rattling in a smaller woods like that yeah you're if there's a deer in there it's gonna hear you right if you're in a big woods you might not be with you might rattle and nothing responds you're like well rattling doesn't work right well right. it's probably just no deer could hear you i almost wonder too if you're rattling in a big woods um like when necessarily you can't see all the way around you that good like how many times do you just get winded 
and you don't know. Right. You know, like, I, I wonder if rattling, like, up in a finger where you can kind of control where the deer are going to come from or a pinch point, if it's more productive just off the basis that that deer's probably not going to come blowing through the cornfield. Right. He might put himself at more of a risk to stay in the woods right. on a crosswind than he would if he can just circle downwind of you in the middle of a woods. Right. You know, I've been winded. Um, this one bedding area that I hunt, and there's a rock ledge that follows the Rush River, yep. and and the wind kind of hits there and swirls. And I swear the deer know <laughs> that if they go to um, the one side of it, that the, it always swirls right there. And I actually don't hunt there anymore because I've been burnt on it like three times on three shooters. And it, you know, I've always thought that they always come. Like I hunt that where the wind is blowing down the river. Right. Like, what would make Follows a deer the circle all the way around me and then hit that river and walk up the river? Like, they're they're exposing themselves a, a little bit, right. but it's kind of in the middle of the section. Right. Um, just because they know that wind circles there. Right. But on the edge of a, you know, a field or a pinch point, you know, I don't know if they would necessarily walk out into that field to right. try to check your wind. You know, it's, it's you know, it's right. interesting. Right. And, and the only way you're really going to learn is by doing it and, right. and trying to, you know, maybe rattle on when your wind's not, not ideal and see what that deer does. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely, you know, rattled and they only come from one spot because that's the only spot they can come from. Right. Um, so that, that helps it. But yeah, they wouldn't, I would be able to see them. If they were to circle or try to circle around me like that, that's true. That's just yeah. it. I sit at the head. I sit more towards the head of the to the of the big woods. So if they were to come out, they'd have to come out in field or circle around from field, and then they'd have to come into the woods somehow. This year might be a little different. And but. they and they did. They do come through the woods. Yep. They don't come yeah. through the field. And it's tough because it's like I don't know in the summertime or like obviously you're not rattling in early season, but it's tougher to hunt in the early season because there's so much leaves and, you know, undercover stuff that, like, sometimes you can't see them until they actually get more towards you. Mm-hmm. But, no, that makes a lot of sense. That Like, a deer would rather come on a direct line, or they wouldn't rather, but if that's their only option, to come on a direct line yeah. to it. And who knows, maybe they don't even try. But they do, They I mean, they... They're they're thinking with their nose, that's for sure. Well, I mean, I even think back to, you know, my first nice buck I killed with my bow. I rattled him in. And um, when I first rattled, I saw him. He came up because I was hunting that corner. Yep. And he came up to the field edge, up to the field. And he wanted to take that, that way because of the wind. But he didn't want to go out in that field. You know, it was like 9, 30, 10 a.m. in the morning. And he doubled back and came in downwind of me and gave me a 22-yard shot. Right. And I have to think that that was because he was like, I don't want to expose myself. Right. You know, four-year-old buck was right. like, I would rather take this crosswind low in the woods than walk across this pit cornfield. Yeah. It has to be, you know. Right. Yeah, think about that stand now. It's kind of a sweet little stand. I would definitely say, though, you would have to be – I think for calling, rattling, any of that, you'd ha- you have to be like in their bubble. You know, when you mm-hmm. stock a oh, turkey sure. and right. you first start your stock, you're like, I know they can see the fan. Right. But they don't care. Right. They're over there with hens. I'm far enough away. But as soon as you hit like sometimes 100 yards, but 80 yards, 60 yeah. yards, they're like, all right, dude, 
put it up too close, <laughs> right. and then they would come on over. Right. I feel like that's probably the same with deer. Because, I mean, if we're just talking about deers trying to separate each other mm-hmm. or trying to push a, a doe into small woods, which you have, which so then they're probably in there. So when you rattle, they're like, okay. Right. Now there's two more deer right. in my Territory, safe yeah. zone. Especially a mature deer. Right. Yeah. That. I would almost wonder if, if a deer's far enough away and it hears you rattle, and it's the rut, and it's chasing, or it's with a doe, or it's tending a doe, and you rattle. He's going to be like, well, I'm going to make sure the doe doesn't run that way. Right. Because I right. know there's two bucks over there. Right. right. So I wouldn't doubt that if calling sometimes would screw you. It, I oh, think it really oh, depends. Oh, it definitely does. Yeah. And <laughs> over-calling. Yeah. Well, too. correct. But. I, I, think of, I think of calling as like a last resort. You know, like... You know, a lot kind of times people don't call until they see the deer. That or, like, a lot of times, like, what I'll do is, like, if I've sat, you know, I'm three hours into a morning sit, and I'm kind of like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I'm about to get out, you know. I'll, sometimes I'll throw just, like, a light little rattle, and, um, you know, sometimes it works, and sometimes I don't see anything. But at least, like, I'm already kind of counting my morning, like, the morning's kind of done. I was just kind of, you know, over the hunt. I don't. I don't like go in on November second and at seven thirty in the morning start ripping a freaking horn together. That's the last thing I'm doing. If I'm hunting like my prime days, I don't exist in that woods to a deer. Right. You know, I'm not looking for attention to be brought to me. Right. Is my thought process. Yeah. I I will blind call once in a while. I don't know. I just sometimes I watch those guys over at Deer Society. And it's like yeah. it's like a duck hunter. They're right. I sometimes if I we call, they'll come find right. us. Yeah, that amazes me what they do. And they use the extinguisher, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But sometimes, I mean, it's just like it's, it. It just it works. And sometimes, and I've had some cool scenarios where it's like I've rattled, and they've been younger bucks sometimes, you know. And, but it's like it's so cool to watch them come into oh, yeah. a rattle or a grunt. They're just like, "What's going? Let the, like, let's go. Where, where is it? You know what I mean? Like a young buck comes in, and they're just like, the like where? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I this this fall, I had some pretty cool hunts. Is a, a different property, one of my bigger pieces that I can hunt, and I wanted to try and get on. Uh, a different part of it and i i definitely will not do do it again i think i pushed my limits trying to get in there i definitely i had to climb a freaking mountain to get in there and just being dumb i would crawl crawl up to the top you know in this in the mornings and you know i was like either i do it in the morning and kick up deer or i do it at night and it was just like i would get up there and i'd just be like why am i up here like this isn't it's the worst access to get up there um, but I did have a cool, a couple of cool hunts up there. Like they would, if you could get up there and they weren't in there right away, it was awesome. But if you were to blow a deer out of there, obviously like that's, right. that's how it goes. But like, are there any areas where like you guys have a, an area where you're like, this would be the best stand if I could get up here or are you just like, I should leave this and stay out hundred yards away and they're probably going to work their way to me eventually. I I personally have a spot that I would love to get to um, where I killed the big eight. Yep. Um, there's a middle ridge. But if you come from the north, you go down through a big valley, and there could be deer bedded on, you know, facing the north side. And if you come from the south, you come down into the same valley. So if I want to get to that middle ridge, there's there's no good way. 
Right. And I love to hunt it because the deer run back and forth on that ridge all day long during the rut. But there's one, the wind would be odd just because the deer kind of roam weird in there. And two, there's no good way to get into it. You're going to bust deer. So what do you do? I, I hunt the south side or the north side. I don't go to the middle ridge. I just, I just don't because Sucks. I don't think I hate watching deer. Right. I, yeah, exactly. It's true, watching. but I think that's kind of where where it is. Like, do you mess the woods up to the point where you know you're busting deer out? You, you bust that mature buck out, and he knows, like, hey, I'm being hunted, or do you just get in where you know you got in, and you know you're probably you know undetected. Your chances are lower, but you know. I would say the only way the woods up. Right. I would say the only way you would hunt that is if it's a really good spot. A lot of deer go there. I mean, obviously you're saying it's money, but I think you could hunt it during the rut because you can get pretty yeah like, yes. dangerous during the rut and just push your limits. Yep. If you could get in there during the rut and you got to almost take your chance because if right. you know, hey, there's a buck in this woods. Like if you got a trail cam picture the night before, right, and it's like, hey. He's Every deer nearby, travels through here. Right. There's a good chance he's either coming back or he's going to go through it. So I talked to just a guy I know now um, from work, and he said he had, you know, I just thought of this, but he had situations where he was like, you know, there's been times where I woke up in the morning and I just like, I'm like, oh, five more minutes, you know. And then he falls asleep and he gets up and it's light out. He's like, God, it's an awesome morning. I want to go out. He said he's he's done that and and obviously gotten in there at dark and walked in. He said there's he said now he will he would rather walk in at daylight and take a chance of you know coming in daylight a little bit after you know maybe that first movement to the bedding area. Let's say we're talking rut, okay? Right, we're we're yeah. sitting from you know let's say dark to dark, but we're waiting for that first movement light to get by, whatever that would be eight o'clock, and then he's sitting from eight o'clock until dark i think that is something that i would try maybe and i just kind of thought of that um where you know you can get to these spots maybe that are a little more risky if you just let that he said he is shot deer by 11 o'clock to two o'clock is when he um is when he would see his most movement then and then he didn't blow everything out of there in the morning that was right. maybe bedded or was moving into bed or or what you know if they're moving in but maybe they're passing that ridge getting to the bedding yeah. on a different side you know what I mean I don't know I have two examples kind of of, of something like that well one Trey when we had that Buffalo County lease two years ago mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the property sucked because you had to walk uphill to get into it um, great property but hard to access right. and he was so sick of getting blown at every single time like literally you'd get out of your truck <laughs> and it would be like well they just know <sighs> right and you'd be like oh my Every right. single time. Like, it did not matter. <laughs> not even. Fuck! Like, I, I, think one time, I think one time we stopped and he rolled his window down and it was like... <laughs> and he's like, I'm not going. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like a, such a defeated moment. Well, you're a, just like, I'm a, not seeing anything. As a bow hunter, when you hear a dill blow, you're just like... God. Are you accessing that through a field then? Yes, that was the only way well, to access it. That's your... That was that's the, part of your problem. That too. was the problem. Feeding time in the morning. Yes. They're all right. fields. <laughs> which, which was the issue of that property is right. we had to access either through a hay field or a bean field. There was no other way unless 
the uh, outfitter on the backside was going to let us go through his, but I bet you he wasn't going to let us do that. Right. So. You were probably helping him. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, Keep yeah. letting dumbasses lease that. <laughs> we're doing so good. Right. I'll so, pay you for them to lease it. <laughs> so we actually, you know, like, Trey's like, dude, I'm, I'm waiting. He's like, I'm going to wait until I can see, and I know there's no deer in the field, and I'm going to go in. And he swore by it. Like, he yeah. did. And he would go in, like... Like at that time, I was like, "Oh my god, he's crazy!" Like right. you gotta be in, you gotta be set up, right? You know, like in my head, I'm like, "I, I got, I'm, I'm going in." Like you know, right. I was just like, "I'm doing it." So I did, and I went in, and and then he would get in, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I got in, fine, no problem," right? You know, and he did, and it maybe like, we missed that first movement light, but it's like, did yeah. you have good night hunts there, or did you never hunt in the afternoon? <sighs> it was a morning woods. Oh, okay. um, for some reason, I always had like really good hunts in the morning. Um, but the other time I was going to suggest is, so one time um, when me and Tom, my stepdad, used to hunt this piece of property in Pepin, um, one day we, it was daylight savings, somehow we messed up the timing. We got out there late. It was light, like, um, you know, half hour after light. And Tom's like, it's freaking overcast. It was like early November. He's like, let's just, let's just go. You know, because we woke up and we're like, dude, we're late. Like, should we stay? Because we had some places close to where we lived. We're like, should we hunt here? And he's like, I want to go to Pepin. You know, because I think he had seen a big buck or something. So we went down and um, we walked in. Um, we hunted different properties. He dropped me off and then he went to this property that only he could hunt. Um, so he dropped me off and left. And I don't even, I walked in in daylight, got up in my stand and, uh, I texted him, like, I'm in my stand. You know, I was 14 or 15. I was pretty young. I'm in my stand. You know, let me know when you're in yours. And I hadn't got a message back from him yet. And I'm, like, looking out in the field, and there's this, like, you know, three-year-old nine-point working down the edge. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> you know, because I was, you know, pretty young. I'm like, I'm going to shoot this buck. It's pretty nice. And he did. He came walking right up on my trail, and I freaking smoked him. He ran and piled up like 30 yards from me. And I was like shaking. I'm like, oh, my God. And I called Tom, and he ignored it because he's like, dude, I'm not even to my stand yet. Why is this kid calling me? <laughs> and I like called him again, and he's like, what? And I'm like, I killed one. <laughs> he's like, seriously? He's like, I'm not even to my stand yet. And I'm like, yeah, I shot one. And he's like, um... Was it a good shot? I'm like, yeah, he's dead. I, I watched him pile up, and he's like, oh, okay. Do you mind if I hunt for a little while? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's fine. So he went on it for a little bit. But, you know, like, I walked in in daylight, and I was tagged out before 8 a.m. So, you know, it's like, yeah, you have the you, you can mess it up, but if you think about it, what's the difference if you walking in in the afternoon a little late than right. it is if you walked in a touch late in the morning? Right. You know, it's daylight. You can't really, you know, if you get in your stand at dark and deer comes walking by, it's like, you can't really shoot it anyways. But right. that first light, like, obviously, like, you grow up and you're like, first light, man, that's the best time, to, you know, right. that's when they're going to move. But How many of us have shot a big buck at first uh, Yeah, light? I, I've had one time when I was little, I fell asleep when I was bow hunting, just had my head down, and I looked up, and there was a deer like just staring at me. He must have knew I was there. But otherwise, I don't think I've ever gotten you? a shot off at first light with I my bow. I think majority of my deer probably from 9 a.m. to about 
2 p.m. Yeah. Really? I would be... Oh, I've never shot a buck at first light. Uh, a few yeah. few night hunts. I've had a couple, but... I've seen a lot of deer in the morning. I see a lot of deer at night. I've shot my biggest bucks in midday, though. Mm-hmm. Doing all-day sits. They suck. Yeah. You got to bring I, a key I, bottle. I well, yeah. now yeah, I don't yeah, anymore. I just... I after I learned that, like, all pee turns to pneumonia after, like, 20 right. minutes, I just rip it off the stand. Right. But if I'm with somebody or if I'm in a box blind or something, yeah, I'm, right. <laughs> I remember to bring a pee bottle and snacks. I'm going <laughs> to stop. I in a bottle. I'm, I'm going to stop drinking coffee, too, because, like, it's, like, guaranteed 100%. I get a shit right away. Like, I'm not kidding you. Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> no, I'm, like, I don't, I don't know coffee. what it, Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll bring a thermos. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sit all day. And then I get to like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. I'm like, I'm not. Saying. I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. But I, I definitely piss off the stand. I don't care. I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, I I pee on my scrapes. I've pissed in scrapes, and an hour later, there's a buckhead in it. Tom, the guy that owns Rackfield, he said, "I will piss. I only piss in every like." That's what I do. And not to bring him up, so does Josh Bomar. Yeah. <laughs> that guy shoots a lot of big freaking deer. That's, that's my guy to bring up, I guess, but I don't know. He's, he's just, uh, no. he, I think he's a... He's got some good ideas. I think he's crazy, and he's a character, but that guy puts some freaking big deer on the ground, and as long as he does that, I'm going to no, consider I know. what he I'm just joking. Yeah, he's, for sure. I think but. he's got some really, some really good ideas. How about the, I've always thought about this, and I'm like, I should just try it. But, like, the deer fly traps, yeah. do you see them put those up? They're in my Amazon yeah. cart right now. How, how much do <laughs> you think that works? I think, I mean, people do it for livestock. Right, that's what I mean. Stress down. But I think at the scale that you'd have to do that right. for a whole woods, especially how much land he has, oh, he's yeah. a little nuts for that. I think it's a great idea. Right. But wonder, he goes over and beyond on everything. Right. He so, does, yeah. Oh, he does a good... Does, I, I guess I've never really watched the videos, like listened to him, but I've I've seen that he does it. Um, does he put them in bedding areas, or does he put them in anywhere specific? Because if you just go freaking willy, like just go put them anywhere, that doesn't make any sense to me. But if you were trying to keep them down, like maybe near a food source or a bedding area, I could yeah, see it, it. kind of seemed like when I just watched his videos, it seemed like more so on the wood line. You know, where they go to browse at night sure. or where they go to feed at night. Yeah. Which would make a little sense. You know, when deer come out and they sit there and they're flickering their tail. And Yeah, I was just watching Lee and Tiffany the other day. They were talking about, uh, uh, not chronic wasting disease, uh, what's the one they have? EHD. EHD. And they were putting in little ponds because their actual ponds were going to dry up. They didn't want the deer to use that, so they were putting the buckets in like I just did. Mm-hmm. And then what they did, they had it out in the middle of the field, and they sprayed the whole field for bugs hmm. so that there's no ticks and stuff. So it gets the deer comfortable. Yep. They want to be in that field, and they want to use – they they have those gravity feeders too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it gets the deer to eat those. They have um, – Probiotics and probiotic some other stuff, yeah. and stuff like that. So it gets the deer to stay there longer, eat and drink out of their water that they want them to. Which and that's a- kind of what I was like, well, if he's worried about the bugs – he mowed the grass yep. and sprayed it so there's no bugs, no ticks, nothing. So that way the deer are kind of hanging out there. And, you know, he does probably, he does a lot of work with, like, conservation and stuff. And I think, like, the DNR and stuff, he's pretty lead talking here. Lee, um, yeah. But, like, we've all been kind of taught, like, 
can't feed deer, right? Right. Because chronic waste disease is through saliva and other deer, let's say, licking mineral or licking. So it's like that I get. Like it probably helps. And I, I, are we getting away uh, from like saying that it it's not from that? Because we're, you know, if we're feeding probiotics to them and we're trying to help them and keep them healthier, is like, is that what we're, can we, I mean, is it fine that we do that? I don't get. I, I'm, you know, t- I don't think CWD is necessarily that big of a deal down there. It's more EHD, which is a parasite in the water. Is it okay, is that what uh, that is? It's okay. a parasite that will... Um, in drought situations? In a drought situation, yeah. when the water drains out or comes down a pond, in the mud... I'm thinking CWD. It'll be, Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're thinking CWD. Yeah. CWD is awful. So when the water goes down in that mud, those... Parasites. When the sun hits the mud and now, now it's dry, then they'll hatch. Yep. They won't hatch like if it's a fully, if it's fully water and yep. it's wet as heck out. Yep. They won't have a bad year of EHD. Right. They, that's what I just watched the video on it because this year has been really dry. Dry. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about. But also you got to think about Iowa too. Every single landowner that has cattle, they all have ponds. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's very flat. It's not like here. So it's almost like a prairie situation. Like yep. if you go North Dakota, yep. like you look at how the potholes are out there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that in Iowa. I mean, it's not that heavy, no, right, but right. it's a lot more than here where we have hills and yep. all this stuff. There's nowhere for water to collect. Right. They have a lot of that where they have ponds in every single little piece of property. And then right. when those ponds dry up, right. yeah. You know, EHD is just very prevalent. It is right. definitely a southern thing that, like, I feel like the mid southern Midwest. I don't hear about it that much in Texas. You know, it's it's like that Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, like, you know, I'm sure Nebraska, Nebraska mm-hmm. definitely. See, but what's blue tongue? Is blue tongue and EHD basically the same thing? Uh, I think that's from cattle. Yeah, when cattle. They, when okay. Because I know intermingle or something. Like, yeah, if they intermingle saliva or whatever. I know some places I've hunted in South Dakota had some bad blue tongue years, um, but I, I I don't know. I'm not sure what that's from. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really not, I don't know enough about it to talk about it. Right, and I wonder how much CWD is going to affect us here in Wisconsin in the coming years. I mean, I just I don't know if something that we can do can help or. I haven't really. We did that CWD hunt down in Rochester, mm-hmm. Minnesota. Um, they had the CWD hunt, shoot as many deer as you can, $2 yeah. a tag, just mow them all down. Right. We got all of our deer tested, none of them came back. Really? We're like, why did we shoot 50 deer? <laughs> and right, but while you they... also have to get it tested before you can process it. So then we're sitting there with, like, whole pieces of deer. Yeah. Like, what that doesn't right. make any sense. So, like... It's yeah, just not, and then you hear about like cases of CWD, and it's not that prevalent. Right, it's only a couple. Right, like, I wonder what they're going to do then in Buffalo County because that is a higher density of deer, and they basically kind of had like a meeting this year, and they're like, "If you guys 
we're going to have any weapon from September, you know, like they propose any weapon must wear orange from September to whatever, you know, whatever their season goes till December or right. whatever. Like I you guarantee can, you, a lot of big bucks again. Yeah. <laughs> and well, there's a lot of pissed off people. That's the thing, the first but, couple of years. Well, there's two ways to look at it. Some people are still going to just hunt right, and manage their right. land and not follow any Especially the outfitters. Right. Yeah. Like well, right. You're not going to, yeah, the outfitter's still going to sell the same amount of hunts that he does every year. The, you know, the serious buck hunters that own two, three hundred acres, they're going to hunt for their deer because they're going to, they're thinking about three years from now right. already, you know. Right. But let me ask you this question. If you had two 170s. See, a 170 is <laughs> different to me because that deer is closer to the peak of its age no matter what yeah like if you don't shoot it you know what's it got a whole lot left to do but we're still talking but, deer numbers correct sure but two 150s is different you yeah, know what i mean I because yeah. that deer at least hasn't hit its peak but that's for you right and, think of and the average guy okay right. i just shot this 150 i, I will and say i have more tags right. now here's the other one and that's your neighbor True, but I will say that there's not a lot of average guys in Buffalo County that hunt. But you'll be. I would be. I would say that's probably not true. I, I mean, there, there's some. There's, it depends on the areas. There's right, farmers right. that go out and shoot your four pointer. Right. They don't care. They want to shoot it. I mean, they own the land. They can is. do whatever they want. But there's a. You know, I, I guess, you know, maybe not. I, I will say it feels like when people lease land. They're filling. They want to fill their tag. Right. If I paid to hunt this land, a one forty to them makes them happy. They'll shoot it. But you're also talking a lot of guys from the cities. Yep, millionaires right. who. I mean, right. I, they go hunt and they see a one fifty. They whack it. And they're like, "This thing's huge," and it is. It's it is. A big deer. No, one hundred fifty inch bucks is not. A, it's not a passable deer in our eyes. That might be but, also the same guy that's like, "Hey, next year, I'm not renewing my lease. This is going to be horrible hunting because right. everyone's going to shoot everything." Right. And they're all going to think that way. Right. I'm going to spend the money now, shoot as many deer as I can, because I can, and then I'm just not re-signing next year. I know I've talked to some people down there that lease, and they're kind of like, from what it seemed like, was I they're passing everything up to like 160s, 170s. Right. Like, there's some people down there that, that oh, yeah. they don't care, they got money that you know, fuck you money where they just, they can spend it whenever they want. It's never ending. Right. And they're just like, I don't need to shoot anything. And they put in $5,000 worth of food plots. I mean, that's a lot of money. You know, right. they're putting in four or five acres of food and like, uh, there's some crazy people down there that have money. Oh, that's yeah. just like, holy shit. How do you compete against that? There's a guy, um, my old coworker, he, he had a lease down there. Um, when he was younger, and I want to say they paid like $12,000 for the lease. But the guy across the road had a bigger piece, and it was, you know, like the same owner. It was a very expensive piece. And that guy called him, he told, like, he he said he was a 200-inch hunter. Like, that's right. what he said. He was like, I... He's like, I've shot big deer, I don't care if I shoot big deer. Right. I want a 200. Like, that's how, like, you know, that's what the guy said. Is that true? Are you going to pass a 185? Yeah. If you do, <laughs> you probably deserve to be smacked in the back of the head. But, you know, like, that's what he's saying. Like, right. there's people down there that, yeah, I mean, they're they're crazy. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I definitely think what you're talking about is pretty wild. Like, a 180-inch buck in front of me, it's 
not getting passed. Like, yeah. But I've also talked to, like, Scott Hovey, um, yeah. who's actually passed now, which is, uh, yeah. but I used to talk to him all the time, and he uh, he shot a 219, I believe it was, yeah. right after he shot a 188. Right. And his son actually was the deer that passed it the year before. And he had seen it as well. Um, I think then they kind of decided let's not shoot this one, and then they already shot the like 180. Right. And then, the, but there's another one, and they're like, well, "This deer's got a lot of potential." And uh, then when he shot that one, uh, which the story on that is insane. I think he might have, somebody might have told that story or not. But um, basically, for like a mile almost through a cornfield, he went down and yeah. clipped all the corn stalks <laughs> so he could walk in silently, which. I was like, man, like, what? If you saw the guy, you'd be like, no yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Christ. And I think at the time he had one leg. Yeah. He died. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he was walking out there with crazy. one leg, cutting corn, making a path that's quiet so he can get all the way down to a stand. Kills this buck. And then I've obviously was, uh, I'd go over there all the time and chat with him and, mm-hmm. and learn from him. And he's like, yeah, kid, like, if you don't pass a 160, you'll never shoot a one. <laughs> And if you never pass a 180, you'll never shoot a 200. And I'm like, I just want to shoot a 160. <laughs> I just want to shoot a 140. <laughs> That's, yeah. That might be true if you have the land to manage to do that. Correct. True. Um, but, I mean, I've shot. And you're retired. I've shot. And it. you're able to hunt right. every single day. That guy, he got it done. He did. He knew how he to get it done. Sure. Dude, yeah. he, did he, I could be wrong, he sleep out in the woods? Uh, I don't remember. I think Jody I don't has. Think so. Oh, okay, maybe. So another guy that's got, that we know that has two 190s with a bow, he's, like, slept out in the woods because he didn't want to leave. Cause yeah. Because he thought he would bust, mess it up for the next morning. Yeah. You know, Bill Winky does that. Yeah. yeah. But Bill he Winky's also probably insane. shoots in a fucking redneck blind. <laughs> yeah. Some of those blinds you could forget. Yeah, well, You could sleep in, bring a microwave with you. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Oil. Oh, for sure. If I had a redneck, if I had, oh. if I had a redneck, I'd sleep in it. Honestly. Right. Oh, 100%. Probably right. come here in the bed I own. Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. He shot some big deer. I know. I don't, I don't know. Talking about this, I'm just getting excited for this year. See, and that's one of those things. If you were really committed, Tristan, you could go sleep in that spot. And you bust it one day, maybe, but. All right. If you sleep out there for a week, it's going to reset. Right. So <laughs> that's actually one of my favorite um, Donnie Vinson stories is that North Dakota buck he killed. Mm-hmm. Um, he had hunted it. I, th- I think it was crazy. Like, it was six and a half, and then, like, two years later, I think it was, like, eight and a half, and he went there, and he was trying to kill the same deer. And um, he went out, and he built a homemade blind for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to have the time. He's got the time to do this, but he sat and glassed that blind for like almost a week or like six or seven, eight days and watched his blind until that buck got comfortable going back through there again. Right. And then he went and hunt and shot it the next day. So he went in there and built the blind and stayed out of there until that buck started reusing it. Right. And then went in there and shot it. And it's yeah. like, you know, like it's crazy. Like he knew he was gonna mess it up when he went in there the first time. Right. So he just was like, I gotta stay out until the buck's comfortable again. And then he did that, killed it. It's like <laughs> one, you gotta have that ten days to just throw out the window, yeah. you know, which we don't have currently. But 
too, like the mindset, the thought process behind that, that like, I can't, I can't outsmart smart this deer. Like he's going to know I was there. Right. So I need to out, you know, maneuver him basically. Right. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I think in a state like that too, where it's a little more wide open, I've never hunted Western state for deer or Mm -hmm. anything. Well, I guess ducks, but, um, I feel like if I could see the movement, like when I'm hunting a big woods, it's like, okay, I'm relying on my trail cameras. But if I could see the movement from a distance, if I'm glassing them and I'm like, okay, he's really using that trail a lot. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, if I have a trail camera out there, even if I put on video, it's like, okay, yeah, he came from the left. Right. And then he came from the right the next day or whatever. And then he didn't come back for two weeks. It's like, okay, that's really nothing but if you could watch a deer from a long distance and be like okay he's going and bedding there right he's getting up he's getting a drink there and then that's the field he's hitting if you could piece all that together and watch it from a distance that seems like really something that would be cool to me i mean i'm sure the rut's a little different but like if you could pattern a deer if you lived out there it would be pretty fun i feel like you'd have it down right good if you had enough land you'd definitely have a high success rate i would say even you know like I mean, I've hunted out west quite a bit, and, you know, like, all my trips are typically five, six days, and, you know, we're, we're successful. Yeah. You can't come to Wisconsin and hunt five, six days and no. be successful at the success rate that I have. It doesn't, you know, out, that we do out there. Right, You right. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's oh, you're just... Getting- it's confident just, in yourself. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I shoot a lot of deer. I'm just, but you know. What oh, I'm there, saying? right, right. You know, like you can have more success going out for five, six days. Yeah, versus like coming if, here. if if no, if I was gonna take four four or five years in a row, I hunt five days in Wisconsin. I hunt five days on an out west hunt. I guarantee you, my success rate is gonna be higher out west than right. it is in Wisconsin. 100%. Whether that's bow or, or gun, you know, like I've I've hunted archery out there for deer, and you know, like. Um, I mean, we had three, four white, three white tail over one forty, under fifty yards. Right. That ain't gonna happen in Wisconsin. No. And, and yeah. then you know, like same with mule deer. You know, to have you know one hundred and fifty, sixty, seventy inch white or mealy, you know, under that sixty yard threshold, is just not something that happens yeah even like my buddy come from south dakota last year and he came from four or five days i think mm-hmm. and like he saw deer and he saw a buck that he thought he would shoot and like first night didn't come in range and then just didn't come back you right. know what i mean like, that was it. <laughs> right and he's like i want to hunt that woods i'm like you do whatever you want I I wouldn't, but you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and he's like, no, I'm going back That's there. That's the first deer we saw. Right, right. <laughs> I didn't put a trail camera in that woods because I didn't want to hunt it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, that's awesome. Right. But probably and not going to come back tomorrow. Having, uh, yeah, I went back when he left like a day or two later, and I think I saw the same deer that he saw, and I had it at 40 yards. And then I was like, I think I can kill him the next day. <laughs> I never saw him again. You know? <laughs> Gone he went. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, just, it, it's different circumstances right. around here. It's just it's a little different. Right. Um, but since we're kind of on the topic, do you have any all west stuff this year? Did you what did you all apply for all west? I know you sent in for some stuff. Um, I haven't sent in for anything yet. You haven't? No. Oh, was I supposed to? You're a little late, bud. <laughs> No, um, I haven't really gotten to the Out West stuff. Um, we can come film. Yeah, we're we're gonna get them all filming this year, and um, yeah. hopefully on a muzzleloader hunt. 
if yeah. you can get a couple tags, maybe an Ohio or a Nebraska tag. Yeah, for sure. I think that was kind of my game plan. My my plan was to learn a little bit from you. You've done it a lot. Yeah. I wasn't really just going to go willy-nilly. The only thing that I talked to uh, somebody about was North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I was going to maybe buy over-the-counter, which I don't have to apply for. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, archery. archery. Yep. And then I could go early. Whitetail um, only, correct? Uh, I believe so. I don't think you can buy a mealy over the corner. I think if you're west of, I don't know. The river. We're going for whitetail, so. Right. Cool. The area that we're in only has whitetail, so that's. He just told me that, uh, my buddy Mason. Yeah. He told me. Velvet. Yeah, that's the goal is to shoot one in velvet. But um, you can, it's an all, like, the whole season. So if I wanted to go back. Right. And I'm kind of hoping that, so I take a trip out to North Dakota every year Mm -hmm. for duck hunting. Sure. If there's a morning where everybody's like, "Man, we just crushed them for four days," and right. I'll just I'll just try to drive to go to some random like public land spot yeah. and, or keep an eye out for deer. Because right. every time we're out there, we see giant bucks. Oh yeah, I'm like, like what the hell? Okay. Oh, yeah, and they're yeah, in I've little pieces. It's like, dude, if I stood on that end and you got out of the truck over on the other side of the property, that deer would slowly work its way towards me. Right. Right. it, and I'll just stand there drawn back. Yeah, keep, I, like <laughs> if I had a tag, this deer would be dead. Too. Right. Have you ever kicked them out of the reeds out there? Uh, no. We usually don't hunt like potholes or anything like that, oh, so we're always in we, the fields. But we driving gonna, around, we see them. We were gonna hunt this one pothole, and I got out and um, I was like walking at it, and all of a sudden, freaking tines just blew out of it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It was like forty yards. I'm holding the shotgun. I was like, "If this was rifle, it like runs out of the reeds, runs out and stops at a hundred yards in a freaking pick field." I was like, "Never." If it was season, nah, that deer would never do that. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. He's he's got some spots he's going to show me and stuff, but um, that he's went in the past. That'll be cool. Yeah. And I don't know the stories and stuff. He shot a velvet buck. It wasn't nothing special, but it was his first velvet right. buck. His little right. like basket rack eight point. Do you have to I'm shoot like, a wow, four by four or a four points on one side? Uh, uh, I haven't really the, looked into not it the yet. State. No, yeah, okay. to be honest, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even know. Certain certain stuff does, but right. um, what but, did you all apply for? I don't know. What did I apply for? Just what I did. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, th- thanks for letting me know, guy. <laughs> I was here and he took my card one night. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, I don't have very many funds on there. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I just spent a couple hundred dollars. Hope you're cool with that. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I honestly don't. I just got an unsuccessful for South Dakota. One's yeah, part of South, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. But other than that. Right. I, I drew um, a rifle whitetail. South Dakota, mm-hmm. so West River. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so we'll see. There's another drawing tomorrow. My friend's gay. <laughs> Tristan Mueller kills another giant. It's <laughs> my friend's gay. So yeah, uh, that bit by a gay person. Your 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 so version we'll of deer hunting is like my turkey hunting. <laughs> Every weekend, it's like, wow, that guy got, that guy killed like two turkeys this week. <laughs> it's like, oh, Tristan killed another 160. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's a lie, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So we have another drawing tomorrow. Um, oh, cool! <laughs> see how we do there, and it's a couple more. Kind of. Yeah, I don't know this year. Well, whatever. Regardless, if I draw, I'm I'm excited for this year's Wisconsin. Yeah, bow season more so right. than than anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Every year, I tell myself I'm excited, and then I disappoint myself. Well. But. 
you know, it is, um, you are here this year. Right. That makes a difference. You know, last year you moved back during season, but all your, you know, your lead up, your all that time that you could have been running cameras, minerals, stands, food plots, you were living in Madison. Right. You know, three and a half hours away isn't really ideal <laughs> to to no. do the property right. right. So I mean that that's exciting that you've had a full full season to. Did you ever try hunting down there? Could yep, you? a little bit. Yeah, there's some public land down there that I hunted uh, a few times. Um, some really cool public pieces down there. They they must uh, plant some of these some of these properties. They must plant like oaks and stuff, and then mm-hmm. they harvest some other stuff out of there. So there's some really cool stuff. Um, I started doing it probably the year I was leaving or the year before. So I didn't do it a ton and it was an hour south of it. Um, but it had some good potential. Like if I was still there, I would definitely do a lot more scouting and, and stuff. I saw deer, you know, once in a while and stuff. Seen like, a nice one, duck hunt. Right. Oh yeah. 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 Duck hunt. <laughs> right. Right. It's not like it could have been deer hunting, but it's right. swam right across. It's pretty cool. Video. I think that's just what you said. It's part of the reason that I've, I haven't really struggled. I've killed deer. Um, but I think I've struggled with the commitment to doing the out west stuff, and yeah. like, I, I was guiding goose hunting, mm-hmm. I was duck hunting a lot. Like yeah. I've always been huge in deer hunts, my favorite. But right. then I was also like, okay, well I can make a video, or I can right. film my buddies and go hunt with a bunch of people and have fun. Mm-hmm. If I duck hunt this weekend, will you take a little bit of time off of duck hunting this year, or will um, you do about well, this the year? I'm not goose hunting or guiding goose hunting, so mm-hmm. I'll just be going like probably just on like the better hunts yep. with some of my buddies from minnesota yeah. and uh then i'll it'll just be deer hunting so probably from here on out i'll start focusing branching out a little right. bit on deer hunting yeah. but when half the year is duck hunting then you're like okay and you're watching trail cam photos yeah. i'm like putting the pieces together while i'm in the blind right like i'm hunting ducks and or geese and I'm like, okay, next weekend is probably the weekend. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, do I hunt Minnesota or Wisconsin? If I was yeah. putting all my time. You're splitting a lot there. Plus, I had a different job. Now, yeah. I don't start till 11. I can hunt mornings, which I probably right. should just start hunting at like 7 or 8, it sounds like. Yeah. I was I was actually going <laughs> to ask you this earlier. You a morning or an evening, if you had to pick? Because you have mornings. <laughs> I know. I don't really have a choice now. I but mean, if you will you work weekends and stuff? This, no, no, I'll have my weekends off. Right, okay. But I mean, during the can, work week, you know. It's, yeah, but you can take some time. I'll be able to hunt my morning spots. Yeah, any all day week it. long. Yeah, that's but nice. My evening spots will be where I pretty much have food plots. I gotta enter the property through my three and a half acres of meat. Okay. We're all actually gonna. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but um, I got nothing. Me, me personally, I'll, I'll be able to. Um, oh, how much I can hunt? You're saying? Yeah, hunt, hunt quite a bit. The most I've ever been able to during the week this year, or yeah, yeah this year, and that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I can three days a week I can hunt pretty much every morning, and two the other two days I can hunt the evenings. So yeah. I can pretty I could get in one sit every single day if I needed to. Yeah, yeah, I'll be able to. Regardless, I'm. I base my jobs off of how much I'm able to hunt. So. <laughs> I'm going to start being unemployed from September to December. Seasonal jobs. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Right. <laughs> I got a job for you. Just be just be good enough at your job so that when you want to come back and end of December, they hire you back. Or just own your own company. That's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah. But, hard well, part is... Yeah, you got anything else? 
Not really. Excited for the season. Hell yeah. I know we say that every podcast, gotta, but every time we do one, we get closer to the season. What are we? Still got some work. Two months away? Two months. Yeah. Two months and a week. Right. But, I mean. Who's counting? We still got uh, still got plenty of food plots to do and yeah. know, some water and holes and some stands to move. So. Yeah. Now, now I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I wish I made more money. Right. <laughs> I, need, I need a blind, or I need yeah. a uh, pond, but. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know. It's that time of year where it's it's real hot and it's hard to hard to get out there, but right? Because you're gonna die when you do it, but right. we need to. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely gonna be a fun one. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, well, I haven't had anything on camera yet that's got me super jacked. I mean, it's still a little early, but right? Yeah, I've had a couple that I'm like, Man, I think the end of this month will be. I know fun. they're in there, mm-hmm. and I've I've confirmed last year that there were still some pretty nice deer alive. Like okay. when I was getting pictures nice. in yep. January, yeah, in February and stuff. I'm not in that boat. <laughs> A lot of that, a lot of my I haven't seen died. them yet this year, so I mean they could have died naturally, but sure. they were alive according to how the seasons roll, mm-hmm. cool. which has got me a little bit excited. But right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to amp myself up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? And then get let down real bad. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be a good year for sure. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll have to, we'll have to keep doing it. By the way, um, if you haven't yet, enter into the camera giveaway. RVP 23. So if you're listening to this and you get to the end, which you should, um, there's a cell camera giveaway here. So Spy Point Flex. Spy Point Flex. It's a good camera. It's really good video. Um, If you go to my Instagram, you can look at the the buck I shot last year. There's video of him in a scrape. It's really good. Right. We can share something. Um, Yeah. Listen. DM me that that code there uh, to the at Rush Valley. So. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rush Valley Podcast. Tune in for the next episode.